is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. If you see me walking down the street And I start to cry Each time we meet Walk on That was Dion Warwick with Walk On By. Hello, good morning, and thank you for joining me. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss, and we're bright and breezy here in the beginnings of January, um, and I'm really looking forward to the year that I'm going to spend with you as I meet people who are shaping the world of business. And we call them over here business shapers, and they sit alongside their people, uh, equivalent people who are shaping the world of jazz. So today, I'm very pleased to say my business shaper is Mary Katranzu. And I hope I said that correctly. I think I did because she's nodding. And Mary is a fantastic uh, designer, a designer who has collaborated with Adidas, with Current Elliot, with extraordinary other people. She can be found all around the world. 33 countries, I'm told, reliably, and it's growing too. And she's got thousands of people following her brand on Twitter. You're going to be hearing a lot from the very talented Mary. In addition to hearing from her, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mish Gondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then, of course, the music here on Jazz Shapers. And we have got Roberto Fonseca, Louis Armstrong, and this from Candice Springs. That was Candace Springs with Thought It Would Be Easier. This is Jazz Shapers, and Mary Catranzo is my business shaper today, and she's the owner and designer at the eponymously named Mary Catranzo. Yucky there. 50 people, eight years, almost nine years later, uh, Mary, a uh, graduate of Central St. Martins, and for those of, the, those of you in the know, you will know that this is one of the hottest um, properties in fashion. For those of you that don't, you're going to find that out in the next hour. Mary, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Now, tell me about... Um, what happened when you graduated many many people in your position graduate and stuff happens then they morph into something else and it doesn't really go anywhere how have you managed to make such a significant success why why has someone tapped you on the shoulder and said you are going to do this this is you I think um, it was the timing it was an opportune moment for something it was the, just the beginning of the recession and I think fashion was struggling as an industry and so novelty and newness and pushing the boundaries of what people were wearing at the moment um, was important um, and I was lucky enough uh, to come out of St. Martin's um, have my show as part of Fashion Week um, and fashion critic Sarah Moore noted my work uh, and mentioned um, my name as part of the graduate show uh, at style.com which is where she was a fashion critic and uh, reviewing shows and I think that kind of had industry being interested um, and looking at the work and being interested in buying the collection. We had no production capacities. I didn't have a team. So it started making me think about it a little bit more seriously. And though my ambition had been then to just go out in Paris and find a job in one of the big fashion houses, I started thinking, oh, why not me? Maybe I should uh, apply for sponsorship. And that's what I did. And uh, it strikes me that a bit like the film industry mm-hmm. and a bit like writers, there are thousands of really, mm-hmm. really, and music, in fact, thousands of talented, creative people, and so few make it. Mm-hmm. 
at that time, so you got noticed and mm-hmm. then you sought money for, as you call it, sponsorship. Mm-hmm. When did you realise that this was a bit more than just you being a great designer and that actually you could make this a viable business? Because now I believe turnover is significant. You're employing mm-hmm. lots of people. Mm-hmm. You are doing grown-up collaborations, even though they remain creative. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just you as the talent. It's you as the talent within a business. Absolutely. And I think that shifts. Um, you don't really realise the shift happening. You, uh, you realise your drive and your ambition shifting because... Because you, I guess, um, see the bigger picture and what's possible and where you can take a brand. When you first start, there is no brand. There's no communication with an audience. There's just you designing quite instinctively and quite naively at the beginning, which um, I'm glad it was naively because had I known what I know now, I, I think I'd think it through. <laughs> um, Luckily, you didn't. I didn't, I'm, no. I'm going to hold that thought, because if you'd have thought it through, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. Stay with me for much more from Mary Catranzo. I'm going to spell it in a moment so that you can go online and have a look at the amazing things that she has created, and they truly are. They're going to smack you between the eyes, and you'll go, okay, I'm not going to forget that in a hurry. <laughs> Time for some more music before we come back to Mary, though. This is Roberto Fonseca with Tierra Santa, and it's new music from the Cuban pianist. <laughs> That was Roberto Fonseca with the uplifting Tierra Santa, and he is from Cuba. Mary Catranzo is not from Cuba. In fact, she sounds like she's from Greece. Greece. Yes, good. And Mary is um, was an up-and-coming designer, still up-and-coming, but now she's running a business, and the business is significant. I promise you I'll give you the, the spelling, because I do urge you to go online. M-A-R-Y-K-A-T-R-A-N-T. Z-O-U.com. That's MaryCatranzu.com, and you will see these patterns. I- I'm always fascinated as someone not in the fashion industry, but someone who obviously wears clothes mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Um, <laughs> what has influenced these? These are t- tell me about the, the the visuals that 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 took you and the, and the pat- not just the patterns, the um, materials that brought you to the design vibe that you've now you know, you become renowned um, for? I think, you know, my aesthetic was built in, in different blocks because initially I started studying architecture. Um, that was my initial uh, um, and first calling or so I thought. Uh, and then that uh, moved into surface design, textile design, primarily for uh, interiors and um my upbringing was quite creative in that my mother was an interior designer and it kind of made sense to me to uh, study textiles. Um, But then slowly when I did my MA in fashion and subsequently uh, started my own business, um, the point of difference is that I was working more as an image maker um, than just a ready-to-wear designer. So the print, the image, um, all the filtered beauty that we see around us in design was coming in as a point of inspiration that would define silhouette that would define the color palette and would define the prints um, and that's I think the DNA of the brand you know um, the women we dress um, they come to us for the wit for the cultivated wit that exists within the print and the artwork and um, the craftsmanship 
of the textiles we design, but then, and then but the cut, and then the fit. But they're not very high profile. I mean, Taylor Swift, not high profile. Where's your clothes? <laughs> not at all. Michelle Obama. I mean, I've uh, people have hardly heard of her. Who else? <laughs> Lady Gaga. Is Lady Gaga in yes. there? Yeah, I thought I thought that was right. I mean, these are women with significant uh, gravitas in the world. Mm-hmm. Why have Why have they chosen you? I mean, you talk about bold, and and they are incredibly colourful. Why do you think that set? Is it just that when one celebrity goes, they all go, or is it a bit? No, more absolutely than that? not. I think it's a you know it's always very flattering and a privilege to see your uh, work being worn worn by women you respect so much, and they're confident women who are leaders in their industries. Um, or in case of Michelle Obama, um, so highly influential that I think it's flattering to know that they're choosing to wear you because they own the strength of their own convictions. And, uh, you know, wearing America Transu means you are wearing something that's making you stand out. And I think only confident women um, can take that on and and want to be present in that way. So um, you need to do this for men. I hear you are. Is it true? Before we go Potentially. to the Potentially. Come on, Mary. We need, we need <laughs> confident men of the world unite. We're going to get Mary to do that um, before the end of the hour. Stay with me for much more um, from my fantastic business shaper today. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our program partners at Mishkon Dereya. Hello, my name's Saul Sender, and I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkon Dereya. The choices that small growing companies face when raising money are very similar to the choices that large international companies face when they're raising money in in the city or or on the international capital markets. Essentially, there's a decision to be made between raising debt finance or equity finance. Debt finance is as simple as a loan. It suits you best if you have regular cash flow because the obligation to repay is fixed and you need the, the money to repay it back on a periodic basis. Equity can be much more flexible, but on the downside to the business owner, you're giving away ownership of the company. You may be giving away future profits, you may be giving away future proceeds of a sale, or if you sell uh, more than 25 or 50% of the company, you may be losing control in due course. So business owners who are looking to grow need to weigh up the pros and cons of how to raise money. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Saturday morning from 9 till 10. Make sure you book your slot every week, because every week I have someone brilliant who's shaping the world of business, their business. And the business that is being shaped this week is Mary Catranzu's business, and that is the business of fashion. Mary uh, is the owner and designer at the eponymously named, as I said earlier, Mary Catranzu brand. I even spelt it out for you, because you need to see it. Sometimes fashion is not enough to talk about it. You need to actually see what she has created. Mary, we were talking about confidence, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about, I suppose, in a way, people expressing themselves Mm -hmm. when you talk you use your hands a lot and many people do many people don't was it obvious from a very young age that you were going to be involved in something tactile that you were going to make something and if so how young were you um, I think moving your hands, uh, you know, it's a it's a form of expression, right? I'm a quite expressive and uh, my work is expressive too. And I think I did have that at a young age um, in that um, I was always rearranging things. Um, I remember, you know, if my mom had a dinner party and she would create a flower arrangement, I would go and tweak the flowers last minute because I, I wanted to feel that sense of 
controlling your environment aesthetically and creatively. And um, I was doing little collages. I was painting a lot. But again, it wasn't applied design. It was just generally being creative, I think, as a young teenager. Mm. Um, I think it was only later on that I started channeling that creativity and finding my my own form of expression. And um, it's a very enlightening moment when that happens. Now, look, designers don't always wear their own clothes. In fact, often they don't. You're, you, do you wear your own clothes or would you, do you go for a different look? And if your look is different, what are you saying about yourself? Um, no, I actually fall into the camp of designers who don't really wear their own clothes. Um, I have worn my own clothes, of course. Um, I think it's um, something that's also known of certain artists when you work a lot with colour. And I tried to understand that early on because I used to uh, be so colourful. And then slowly, slowly, I pared my uniform down to pretty much a black dress and tights and black boots. And I realized there's so much creative decision making that happens um, at the studio with my team that when it comes to picking your own wardrobe, you want to rely on a uniform that makes you feel comfortable and all your creative thinking um, comes into your work. I can't describe it in any other way. But yeah, I do wear my own clothes when it's a special occasion. Okay, when you're out there and about, people need to see that. Look at that, it's Mary wearing Mary. In terms of that work environment, and now you have around 50 people, I Mm -hmm. think, who work for you, what kind of leader are you? And you probably didn't have to think about this when you just started Mm -hmm. making clothes. You're like, well, I'm done. I don't know, I just make clothes. Right now, are you more thoughtful and conscious about the kind of creative direction that you give? Because, again, the fashion industry supposedly is full of divas. You don't strike me as a diva. Have you... I would hope not. <laughs> have you cultivated the, the way you operate or is it is it actually that naturally you're a certain type of way? And if so, what is that way? Um, it's an interesting question. I have a big enough team now to be able to um, have a very close relationship with the design team um, and with the senior management team. And then I can rely on amazing people who I trust now to hire their own teams and manage them effectively. So I think um, I delegate a lot more now. When I first started, I didn't have that skill. I felt I need to control everything. I need to be aware of everything. Change the flowers just before the guests. Exactly. Come, all that stuff. It yeah. was, a, yeah, an early sign. <laughs> um, but now, no, I, I'm a lot more decisive than I used to be also because the pace in which we work with is so different that you have to be on top of it. So, um, and I'm quite democratic. I want people's opinion. I will always ask, you know, from somebody who's just come come in for an internship for a month to somebody who's been with me for seven years, it's equally uh, valuable advice. I'll take you up on that. I'll come in next week. You can let me make some big decisions. Absolutely. Time for some music right now. This is the phenomenal Mr. Louis Armstrong with the brilliant Mac the Knife. Big man, there goes Mac the Knife. <laughs> Louis Armstrong there with Mac the Knife. Mary Catranz is my business shaper, I'm very pleased to say today. And we've been talking about her style. And uh, it sounded good to me. A bit of democracy in there and letting people um, voice their their opinions about where you want to take things. In terms of the reaching out of your uh, from your business to other brands, and I mentioned very early on that you have collaborated with some significant businesses, and Adidas is one. Mm-hmm. I think you uh, some uh, the ballet. Uh, uh, I think. Yeah, we just did the Paris Opera um, a couple of months ago with Benjamin Milpier, Justin Peck, and. Um, John Baldessari did the set. So you've got so that. that. Was an incredible. You've got Top Shop that you've worked with. What is it you look for in these collaborators? Is it 
collaborators that confer credibility on you? Is it the partner over there that you just say they're creatively aligned? What is the thing as you pick and choose? Because you can pick and choose now, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, we're lucky enough now that we can pick and choose, but I've always been really selective about who we partner with because it's important. Um, it's an extension of your brand and uh, you're communicating who you are. So each collaboration, um, I guess, um, has a different aim. When we collaborated with Montclair, for example, I'd never done um, outerwear. So it was for the know-how. I wanted to work with a brand um, that has incredible expertise in that field that we didn't. And I felt that our client would love to see a product that we don't do within our own collection. Similar to Adidas, I grew up wearing Adidas sneakers and talking about democracy, it's such a democratic, mm. iconic uh, brand and product that to be able to create something in the world uh, in collaboration and in partnership was something that excited me and motivated me. And Do you ever um, look, at, just, as, just as an aside, do you look at this stuff that you've created and it's now ma global but masses the wrong word but it kind of has fused what you know in the same way Stella McCartney has I guess mm -hmm. it's fused something very special and boutique and specific mm -hmm. with something very mass do you ever look and go that's me that's my stuff I usually don't have those moments yeah maybe once in I don't know three years I'm like oh we did that that was pretty special so you just keep going to the next yes step. I think you have to look forward and I do have moments um you know with those collaborations you know especially when you're um in an airport you know, flying back to Greece and you see somebody with your Adidas sneakers, it's a different kind of high than when you see a woman at a cocktail party within a fashion event. You know, it's a different reach. Um, and that does excite me because, uh, you know, I don't design... Um, just to hang it on the wall. I want people to wear it and feel confident in it and enjoy it. So, um, yeah, it is exciting. And it's exciting to be able to vary the projects between commercially driven projects and creative projects that push you to do something with dance and ballet, which is not what we do every three months. No, I imagine not. That would take that would take a, far, a fair amount of time. <laughs> Final chat coming up with Mary um, a bit later. And we'll, plus, we'll be playing a track from Ella Fitzgerald. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Another classic from the Jazz Shapers archive. That's Ella Fitzgerald with A Fine Romance. I'm very pleased. I've got a modern classic right here sitting in front of me that's going into the, the Jazz Shapers archive, year five, and it's Mary Catranzu. And Mary uh, is a designer, if you hadn't noticed, and she has her own label, and she collaborates with extraordinary people. You've recently, if I'm not mistaken, about a year ago, actually taken on a CEO. And that's a big step for someone who's a control freak, and I don't mean that in a negative way, someone who really wants to make sure everything is right and obsesses. What's that felt like? Has it removed you from good stuff? Has it removed you from bad stuff? I mean, how's it, how's it working out? It's allowed me to see uh, the future of the brand and how it can scale uh, in a clearer way. I think, um, you know, when you're so involved in the day-to-day -day and you're trying to figure out operational issues as well as looking at business opportunities and being creative, you know, there's a lot to juggle and sometimes you lack clarity because of it. So it's helped taking the pressure uh, off looking at the, 
commercial side of the business, meaning our margins, where our production is done, pushing for that production to be on time, bettering, you know, our the relationships that we have with our partners and um and our mills and everyone involved. So it takes that pressure off and allows you to think ahead, to think, okay, this is what I'm thinking in this collection, but where do we want to be in two years' time? What do we want to be doing? And um, that wasn't possible before um, I had somebody as an ally pushing, um, you know, the the business side and how it grows um, on a global scale. And I, I guess that means that creatively you're feeling pretty satisfied and that actually means, as you said, you can think about the, the scale but through really getting more involved in what the, the important part is, which is what's the product versus how to deliver the product. On that point, and I, um, I read recently uh, Carl Lagerfeld talking about drawing and how it's a lost art, and whether it's drawing on a computer uh, or whether it's drawing with your hand, how much are you physically involved with that? Because some designers aren't. No, I, I, uh, I am, uh, and I think... Um, it's changed over the the years um, how we build a collection, I think, more importantly than how much I draw. Um, and now we're at a place that with a team, because it's also related to the team you have and the skills they bring. And I'm really happy with the way it's structured now because I initiate a collection uh, with my own collages and with my own drawings. Then that's handed over to my team and they start, start building it out in silhouette and fabrication. Then it comes back to me um, and I take it one step ahead and we have a constant dialogue where I creatively draw give it back to them they add on it and it comes back to me so um, it's a satisfying way of working because you feel you're constantly working and refining and evolving it in terms of the future, and you talked about the 2008 recession, and obviously now we're in funny times. Yes. This is definitely a year of change or a, a good few year, years of change. <clears throat> For you, how does that, does it influence you? Does the macro position of uncertainty influence the way that Mary designs? Or does Mary say, this is what I feel women need today? Uh, it affects you, of course, because our business is still based on a wholesale model. So it means that uh, before going into retail and being able to control more uh, the relationship we have you have with your customer, of course, you're uh, relying on the environment. Um, and it's a tough environment out there right now. But I think it makes designers, um, it certainly has made me a little bit more definitive um, in terms of what they communicate, what the brand is about and what they're known for, you know. I think that can get lost. You can't be everything for everyone um, at all times. And I think it's good to find your bandwidth as a designer at the beginning. But I think then, you know, the, the brand has certain codes and a core that you need to cultivate. So I think it forces you to look at that. Who is America Transu as a brand? Who are is our audience? Who do we talk to? What do they expect from us? And how can we push um, their desires forward to what they are not certain yet that they want? Um, because it is about shaping desire as well. Mary, you're no diva. I'm no diva. You're no diva. You're <laughs> wonderful. Good to know. Thank you're you, focused and you're super clear. And it's been okay. brilliant talking to you. And I'm sure that as you shape your own business, it will be shaping the business of fashion too. Thank you so much for spending Thank some time so with me. Just before I let you go, though, before you zip away, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, Miriam Makeba, Pata Pata, uh, because it makes me happy. And I hope it makes uh, Jazz FM listeners happy too. Thank you so much.
That was Pata Pata from Miriam McCabe, the song choice of my business shape is Dame Mary Catranzu. A super relaxed person, not the diva that we all expected from the fashion world. Really lovely to hear. Someone who understood the importance of giving women confidence and still does that in all of the clothes that she makes. And also someone that understands that if she's going to scale, she needs to bring in people to run the operations of the business. And that's just what she's done with a CEO so that she can focus 100% on the product itself and on creating amazing things going forward. Really, really great to hear. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal.